Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You are listening to Scoop B Radio. What's going on? I hope wherever you're listening from, you and your loved ones are safe during this COVID-19 period. Hey, this is the producer of Scoop B Radio, DJ Manio. I would just like to take the time out to give a big thanks for the listeners to the pod. We did record numbers last month. So on behalf of Scoop B and myself, thank you for the four years of supporting Brandon on his media journey. If you have a few minutes to spare, please fill out a short listener survey. Go to scoopyradio.com slash poll. You can also share your opinions about the show so we know what works and what we can do better. That's scoopyradio.com slash poll. S-C-O-O-P, the letter B, R-A-D-I-O dot com slash P-O-L-L. Don't worry if you didn't catch any of that. The link will be in the description. You're listening to Scoopy Radio with Brendan Robinson. E.K. Manny. Manny. Yo. Scoopy Radio. You know what's official if Barry Bonds said, yo, the best in the business. That's word of Scoop. You either tune in to read the no words of Scoop. He give you the business. He show you the proof. If Scoop B said, you know it's the truth. Sports and entertainment. He give you the mix. Some of the biggest interviews, he gave you the fix. On iTunes, the number one podcast, the joint and the journalist, the GOAT, so why ask? Watch out, if watch out. About it, if he naming them, scoopd.com, do numbers like Chamberlain. Pin game is a gift, got the gift to gab. If he say it's gospel, it's as simple as that. Now pay attention and you can see the way it go. Enough of this talking, this is Scoop B Radio. You're listening to Scoop B Radio. Get on his Instagram now. At Follow Scoop him. B. At Scoop B. Follow him. Yes, sir. Scoop B Radio. Overtime. The airways, on the plane, on the train. Everywhere you need to be. I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Scoop B. Instagram and Snapchat at Scoop underscore B. And make sure most importantly to subscribe to the Scoop B radio podcast, which is available on all streaming platforming services. We're talking iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, TuneIn app, Stitcher app, or simply by visiting ScoopBradio.com. 2.1 million streams. And one of the main reasons why... It's because we put newsmakers on. No different here. It's on the line right now. We've got my main man, 
Greg Logan for Newsday. He covers the Brooklyn Nets. Greg, welcome to Scoopy Radio. Thanks for having me, Scoop. It's a pleasure. Of course, man. Me and you have been going back and forth since uh, December uh, when Kyrie Irving had thoracic bursitis. And um, the Nets have had kind of an interesting season. As those who have been paying attention, point guard Kyrie Irving uh, has met with players throughout the NBA uh, discussing kind of maybe taking a detour from uh, playing basketball in Orlando in a bubble uh, come July 31st. Your thoughts when you heard the news? Well, uh, it, it didn't surprise me that uh, that he might be have a contrary opinion to what seemed to be uh, the majority opinion at the time. It, it, the first things you heard was, was that most of the players were eager to uh, restart the season. But uh, if you think back to uh, the start of the season, when the Nets were in China to play the Lakers in two exhibition games, uh, and Houston general manager Daryl Morey made some tweets that upset people in China and Chinese authorities and detracted from the uh, uh, NBA plans to uh, promote their game there. You know, Kyrie was a person at that point who was said to be uh, all for canceling the games and and returning home. But in that case, uh, much as uh, he's reported to have done here, uh, you know, he he voiced his opinion, but he also expressed a willingness to go along with whatever the the majority decided was best uh, to do. And now he was he was also hurt at that time, and uh, and was not going to play in in China. Uh, so I don't know how that affects his opinion or not. Uh, but uh, uh, you know he's he's never been afraid. Let's uh, let's put it this way: he's never been afraid to to stake out uh, a position uh, by himself or ahead of the curve or however you want to call it. And uh, and be very forthright in uh, in arguing his position, uh, but it's, it also seems that that he's he knows how to maintain a degree of flexibility and, and listen to all sides. Uh, so, uh, from from some of the comments I've read today uh, about this latest uh, conference call that he organized, uh, you know, it was it was pretty much uh, 50-50 according to uh, Ed Davis, who was a former net. Uh, he had a very interesting interview where he discussed. Uh, the whole thing, and and he's on the opposite side from from Kyrie's position. Scoop he believes it's important uh, to return to play for a variety of reasons. Uh, so it doesn't sound like anything is set in stone, but uh, you know there are valid arguments on both sides. Uh, I was just listening to another commentator on ESPN say that if these games start, uh, people uh, might put put the focus uh, take the focus off of protest movement right now uh, I find that very difficult to believe you know given how widespread and persistent it's been across uh, not only this entire country but the world and I just think it's uh, way beyond the NBA right now and uh, and that this is a great opportunity for for players to use the NBA platform in even more uh, creative ways let me ask you, let me play devil's advocate here Say it wasn't Kyrie who made those statements and brought it together, the players on the Zoom call, uh, do you think it would be a different reaction? I think that's probably true. 
you know, Kyrie, because of who he is, has kind of developed a, a reputation as uh, uh, a person who who goes his own way. I, I some people have called it a, a him a disruptor. I would just call him a contrarian. You know, I yeah. have friends who are I consider contrarians who uh, always uh, uh, try to put a different spin on things. You know, look at a at a things from a different angle rather than uh, the conventional uh, angle. So, uh, no doubt that his previous reputation, you know, feeds into whatever criticism he might be receiving now. But I think, I what I think is interesting is that, you know, plenty of people are also echoing his thoughts, and that apparently he has uh, started a debate. And and to me, it's it's a healthy debate uh, in the sense that uh, it really does uh, keep the issue on the whole. Black Lives Matter, police reform, racial justice questions that we're all facing right now. And uh, and I, so it's causing people to take a deeper dive into these issues. And there's never anything wrong with that. There's never anything wrong with uh, uh, further discussion. And that's why I was so interested in what Ed Davis had to say in, in uh, his interview today. Uh, I think it was with Hoops Hype. Uh, and and he uh, said that he understood Kyrie's position and and that position of of people who were worried about the same questions that Kyrie is worried about. And Ed said that uh, you know he's near the end of his career. He has uh, he's in a good position. He's he's set going forward. But at the same time, he noted he's already losing twenty five percent of his salary this year, and it's costing him something like. 30,000 a week. And and mm-hmm. his point is that, you know, this people are in all sorts of different economic situations within the league. Kyrie is is pretty well set forever, but you know, others this is their chance uh to build some generational wealth that they can pass on within their family and take care of all the people that they need to take care of, and so I think that's a that's a critical thing. And then Ed also expressed the, the notion that what if they don't complete this season? You know, is is there any reason to believe they can count on next season? So I, I you know, these are very difficult questions, and they're and obviously the situation combining, you know, the whole uh, racial uh, justice and police reform questions at a time of global pandemic we're in an unprecedented time and so you know it's uh it's it's fair to say that this is a great time to dive down on all of these issues and i'm i'm sure there are concerns on both fronts greg logan on the line with scoopy radio logan has worked for newsday since 1982 covering a wide array of sports and events including uh, the brooklyn Nets beat um, you made mention um, a, a myriad of different things. I would imagine you've been around the Nets since the Swamp Days. I'd be willing to say maybe even when they played briefly in Piscataway, New Jersey. <laughs> you would be correct. Uh, I, I used to work at uh, uh, the Trenton Times, and sometimes I would go up to Piscataway and uh, and cover them when Kevin Lockery would be the coach, and he'd be leaning against the door of the locker room with a beer in his hand after the game huh. to talk to us. And we got to see uh, 
Super John Williamson and Bernard King and uh, Buck Williams, you know, back in the day. That's um, that's pretty rich history. I'm serious to know my my days with the Nets started in '97 when I was 12. What do you remember about the early days of the Brendan Byrne Arena when the Nets moved there? Well, uh, pretty sparsely attended for the most part, uh, and uh, and even when when uh, you know I I became uh, uh, NBA columnist in the uh, mid 90s mm-hmm. and uh uh at that time as i recall john calipari was coaching the nets and so there was an uptick of interest there and uh and they got to the uh uh first round of the playoffs against the bulls uh mm-hmm. you know in fact we just saw it on uh, last dance uh, mm-hmm. that final championship run and uh and so that that definitely you know caused interest to spark and and to me they were always uh, the more entertaining team than the Knicks and then when when the group came along with uh, Jason Kidd oh my god uh that that was to me that was the highlight is is when Jason Kidd was playing with them and when they they reached uh, two NBA finals in a row in the early 2000s uh that that was the heyday uh for me because that was the most entertaining basketball I think I've ever seen. Jay Kidd and and the, and he especially uh, made the Knicks his whipping boys, you know. And later, after I was NBA columnist, I became Knicks beat writer. And and they, I I haven't looked it up, but I swear to God, I think there was a period where they beat the Knicks 16 straight times, something wow. ridiculous like that. Do you remember the night that Jason Kidd sent a text message to Ralph Thorne that he wasn't going to play? Against the Knicks, I don't recall that at all. So it was in the 2000s. Jason Kidd, I think, wanted an extension or he wanted more money or something of that sort. And basically, as a silent holdout, he said that he had a migraine headache and he didn't play. Ah, uh, <laughs> I vague details uh, come back to me, but that's not that's not something that I really focused on. No. That, that, they had a great cast of characters on that team, you know, guys like Kenyon Martin and and uh, and uh, Richard Jefferson, you know. And I remember uh, one year when uh, when I was covering the Nets or the Knicks, they were going to play, and I and it might have been a year when the Nets went to the finals, and the Knicks uh, played them in the first round, and uh, Kenyon Martin had some stuff to say about. The Knicks and uh, and Tim Thomas called him a fugazi tough guy, <laughs> and then and then the Knicks proceeded to go down in four straight. So, so do you was, know that that story took a life of its own again in 2016? At the end of, of so Tim Thomas and Kenny Martin to this day are still not friends. Really. And Kenyon went on Woj's podcast back in 2016 when Woj was at Yahoo and basically started retelling the story and tells his part. Tim calls me. He comes on my podcast. He tells the story. And he talks about how he wants to get in the ring with Kenyon Martin and fight for charity. Kenyon wouldn't respond. It kept going back and forth, back and forth. Tim Thomas comes on my podcast again. He tells the story about how the two ran into each other in a nightclub. 
and that Tim supposedly slapped Kenyon in the face with a thousand dollars in cash. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and the story kept going back and forth, back and forth. I talked to Kenyon about it. Kenyon said, I wish I would have whooped his ass. That's what he told me. <laughs> well, I guarantee you, Kenyon was no Fugazi tough guy. He was the real deal. And, uh, you know, I, I might have paid money to see that, see those two get in the ring, you know, because uh, there was definitely no love lost at that time. And, and it was a lot to write about, you know, leading into that series. But, uh, you know, the dominance of the Nets over the Knicks at that time was just uh, uh, complete. You talked about Jason Kidd um, and his heyday with the Nets as a player. He came back and he, you know, became a head coach briefly with the Nets. And then you know, Billy King had some issues. Jason finds his way in Milwaukee. He's bounced around. He's now an assistant coach with the Lakers. Riddle me this. What are you hearing and what do you believe could potentially be the case of a Jason Kidd head coaching return in Brooklyn next season? I just, you know, I've seen those rumors. I've seen the reports. Uh, I just find it very difficult to conceive. Uh, I don't know. You would probably know better than I if he has any particular relationship with uh, Durant and Irving. Uh, I just, uh, I even though his history with the Nets is with a different regime, I still just think, it, it might be problematical, uh, you know, because there, because there's some other candidates who I just I think the connection that they have with uh, Durant and Irving is uh, superior to his, and uh, and they have a great track record. I, I do think, you know, Jason has done a decent job as a head coach, but uh, but uh, I to me. I just can't get off the Tyron Lue uh, case. You know, I, I think that, you know, it wasn't that Kyrie left Cleveland because of any trouble with uh, Tyron Lue. Uh, when I was out in uh, Los Angeles, when the Nets played the Lakers uh, in the, their last game before the uh, season was paused, I had a chance to speak with Jared Dudley, and uh, and Dudley was recalling when he was with the Clippers and Doc Rivers made Tyron Lue his top assistant, you know, in terms of, and he gave him all 82 games from scouting reports to help because he was trying to help prepare him for the next step, which for Lue was to become associate head coach in Cleveland. And, uh, and Tyron Lue said, you just can't believe the work ethic that it took, or Jared Dudley said, you can't believe the work ethic that uh, Lue put in to do all those scouting reports and how much it prepared him and, uh, you know, made him into a top X's and O's guy. And he also talked about Lou, you know, being confident enough, and, and especially with his background as a player, uh, not to take anything from guys, but yet to, to know how to work with them and, and, you know, just be able to talk to them, you know, man to man. And so, uh, to me, uh, he would be my leader in the clubhouse. I I think it, it would be hard uh, not to look at him as the front runner uh, whenever that time comes uh, for them to make that decision. I just think I think kid might be viable. I don't doubt that people might have heard something that he could have be a person of interest. 
but uh, I just view him as a long shot. That's my answer. What a, no, that's 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 real. When you look at Jacques Vaughn, do you, he's two and zero at the point of the NBA hoping this season, having been with the Bulls at home and then beating the Lakers on the road at Staples Center. Do you think that there's a chance that Brooklyn may give Jacques Vaughn a chance? I think there's a chance. Uh, I don't doubt uh, the sincerity of Sean Marks, the general manager, when he says that uh, uh, Vaughn has a chance uh, to get the job and that they'll evaluate him. Uh, but I think he definitely uh, needs a good performance if they get this uh, season restarted. You know, we've already seen that, you know, right out of the box, he made the change in the starting lineup at center from Jarrett Allen to DeAndre Jordan, who came as part of the package with Durant and Irving. So obviously that was uh, a point of contention, and he went along with that. And I think he tried to adjust the playing style a little bit too, uh, more switching on defense, uh, stuff like that. And uh, and he has a really, he has a lot of respect, you know, in the locker room. There's no doubt mm-hmm. about that. Just because of, of who he was as a player, uh, the fact that he has had coaching experience, and I thought it was, you know, now he was Kenny Atkinson's assistant head coach at the time of the firing, so you would you could. On one hand, you could say, well, it's natural for them to turn to him as as the interim head coach. But I think it's also significant that uh, he was uh, Kyrie's position coach, you know, working with him as a point guard. And I think, uh, you know, from everything that I heard or that Mark said, you know, those two have a good relationship. Jock Bond talked about how their relationship was good and how he called him as soon as uh, Kenny left and so on. Uh, and so, so I do think there is a platform to build on there, you know, and, uh, and I do think there is an opportunity for, you know, things to be worked out between Jacques and Kyrie and, and Kevin Durant, you know, as far as an understanding of, you know, what's best for a veteran team moving forward. Uh, but then, you know, I, I think it also, you know, there's there's probably going to be a question. Well, uh, his record in Orlando wasn't very good, you know, and and he didn't have much to work with down there, but it wasn't very good. So if their goal is to uh, get to a championship, do they discount that record, or do do they and and focus on the person that Jacques Vaughn is, or do they decide decide well maybe we need somebody with a championship pedigree, in which case Lou is right there at the top of the list. So uh, I, but I do, I give, uh, I give Jacques Vaughn a shot, you know, uh, not, not a great one compared to Lou, but I think he, he could possibly open some eyes, especially if they accomplish anything uh, without uh, KD and and Kyrie playing uh, in the restart. Yeah. And then you talked about Kenny Atkinson. Uh, Kenny Atkinson is a guy that, um, you know, has taken or has had interest from the New York Knicks. I think he fits better Scoop in a Knicks system. He won't if, if he's hired. He doesn't have to change his address. One, two, he fits in a in a Knicks system that is looking to build some type of identity. Do you like that move, or do you like Tibbs in that system better? Uh, well, I I'm of two minds. There's no doubt that he would be a terrific coach for the Knicks because of the 
developmental uh, background that he has, and that's the stage that they're at right now, and the ability to to build from the ground up, which he's already done once with the uh, Nets in three plus seasons. You know, while and and particularly those first three seasons before they signed Kyrie and KD, he got them to the playoffs, which is uh, just a remarkable uh, turnaround in my view, especially from from the point where he started at. And and he developed good players internally. You know, he developed Joe Harris. He developed Spencer Dinwiddie. And uh, and he he helped, you know, the rookies uh, that they drafted, you know, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, uh, develop into better players. And so uh, there's no question about his, his coaching credentials. But Jared Dud- Dudley said something to me that I totally agree with, and that is Jared made the point that you know he should he doesn't like the narrative that Kenny is just viewed as a developmental coach that because he felt he, he said to me that he feels uh, Kenny could could coach any team in the league, including the Lakers, and and easily be a championship coach. You know if he has the horses, if he has everything in the right place, everything that you need to win. So he doesn't see him as, as just like a a specialist, you know, in developing player skills, even though that's his background, his player development. Uh, he, he felt he was a good, well-rounded coach. I know some people, you know, question his strategy, question his use of timeouts and, and stuff like that. But uh, Jared supported him to the hilt, said that uh, – that he was one of the two or three best coaches that he ever had in the NBA, and uh, you know, along with Doc Rivers, and uh, uh, so that knowing how how much how long Garrett, Jared has been around and how many coaches he's seen and places he's been, uh, that that goes a long way with me. I, I trust his opinion. That's real. Scoop the radio on the with Greg Logan. Greg, you recently recently played. Uh, where the headline said Nets could be, de- be dealing Spencer Dinwiddie or Karis LeVert to get front court help. Spoke with uh, ESPN NBA and NBA analyst Bobby Marks, who you know was a longtime front office guy. Uh, uh, one of the things that stood out in the article um, is that you know Marks basically basically said he thinks Dinwiddie provides the, the ultimate insurance policy for Kyrie. Um, uh, more about Karis LeVert. Uh, he said he thinks he thinks Karis has so much upside and he's got a great contract. That's more value than Spencer. Million dollar, million dollar question. If the Nets had the opportunity, if you let me let me phrase this: If you were the GM of the Brooklyn Nets and you had the opportunity to move Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie to the Washington Wizards in exchange to a certain guy out with the Wizards and Bradley Bill, would you do it or would you keep the team as? You know, that's that's the thing that everybody's been talking about. And, uh, you know, there's no question that Bradley Beal is a brilliant player. And certainly this season, you know, he was off the hook. And it's amazing that uh, he didn't get any all-star recognition, especially, you know, when uh, I think he finished as uh, he was the leading scorer, uh, at least for the last stretch of games in the league before it paused. Uh, but I am I think what would bother me is I'm not sure that they need another ball-dominant guard uh, 
to go with Kyrie. Now you can say, okay, he played with John Wall and they made a heck of a combination, you know, and now you put them with uh, Kevin Durant, you know, that's going to be unbelievable firepower. But, uh, but I don't know. I, I think I would rather see uh, another big man, you know, some, uh, like a stretch four who could uh, uh, stretch the floor for everybody and give Durant the opportunity to possibly move to small forward. Maybe then you're bringing Joe Harris off the bench or something like that, and you keep Harris. You know, I, I, now now the thing if you if you go for a stretch four, you know you're going to have to pay something, and and I do think that teams would want Harris uh, and Jarrett Allen before uh, anybody else, uh, including Dinwiddie, and. Uh, uh, you know, to me, the ideal would be to keep Karras and find a, a workable stretch for, you know, maybe you have to trade Dinwiddie in the bargain. Uh, you know, definitely Jared Allen would have to go uh, draft picks, whatever. It, it just depends on the on the caliber of, of stretch four that you would be getting. But I just think, I just think that if you if you get that size and versatility at the four position and, and then you can use Durant in flexible ways, he can play a small five, he can play a three, you know, he can do anything out there because uh, he's that great. And, uh, and so you just, I think building something around him to relieve the pressure on him is, is what they need. And then if you can keep Karras and Kyrie together in the back court. That is unbelievable, you know. And then if you also have Joe Harris coming off the bench, you know, in the Kyle Korver type of role, you know, I I really like that. And uh, and Harris has actually become a better rebounder and a, a, a better defender in the last couple of years, you know, playing full time the way he has. So uh, I just, you know, overall, I I like. On a personal level, I like Spencer and Karras very, very much and would hate to see them go. Uh, uh, but I, I, as a GM, if you, you drafted Karras Levert and you've built him into this, yes, he's had some injury issues, but you know he's still young in this league. And yet you look at how he finished last season as their best player in the playoffs against the 76ers, and then where he was at after the All-Star break this year with the triple-double and the 51-point game against Boston that was one of the most phenomenal games I've ever seen. You know, that is upside. That kid has a chance, I feel, to become the third star. And then you just need, like, you know, a good quality veteran power forward like a, a Sergei Ibaka. You know, Marcus Morris, somebody like that, Marquise Morris, whichever one of them is the one that's available. You know, then you you get somebody like that and you plug them in, and and now you're talking. You know, you've got some some pretty darn good pieces that can make a run at a championship. I feel. Serge Ibaka, Serge Ibaka, I can tell you that is on um, Kyrie Irving's wish list. Um, Yeah, I like. I do too. I do. When you look at Kevin Durant and Kyrie's ability uh, to to blend, assuming there is a season next year, how much of an adjustment do you think it's going to be? You know, that's a good question. Uh, uh, but I I I think the 
the great thing is, one thing that opened my eyes this year in the short time that Kyrie had to play, he was only on the floor for 20, 20 games, but maybe it's because, you know, I was covering this team more and or covering other teams more than, than focusing on him in the past. But what a brilliant passer. He's an unbelievable creator. And so to have a guy like him with Kevin Durant, you know, some guys just have such great instinct that that even when you know where the ball's going, they find a way to get it there uh, in a way that's that's unstoppable. You know, you saw some of that with in, in well, at least recently when I was watching this series about the Magic Johnson and uh, Larry Bird and and the the rivalry they had. You know, you just see that certain level of player knows how to get the ball to the right place and the right guy uh, with space to operate. And I, and I think that, yeah, it'll take some time for them to, you know, work out what what each of them likes, what their preferences are, what, what to expect from each other. But in the long run, you put that passing ability with Durant's ability uh, to stretch the floor and then, you know, his mobility to go around people, and I just think it's going to be, you know, phenomenal to watch. And and if you have enough other weapons on the floor with him, like a Karis LeVert uh, uh, or a Sergey Ibaka, you know, then it's going to it's going to make it impossible for defenses uh, to to stop that kind of uh, high powered offense. And uh, so I I think the upside is that's the exciting thing, and that's why. You know, everybody was looking forward so much to next season and KD's right. return, and now it's and now it's all up in the air with this uh, pandemic, and and that's really disappointing. That's hard hard to take. But if we ever get there, you know, I just think the the potential for what they could achieve is uh, off the hook. Tell me something. You um have been around the league for a long time, just around journalism for a long time. I'm curious to know what is one thing or maybe even two or three things that you've appreciated um, during this downtime for yourself? Well, uh, one thing I appreciate is the caliber of player and person that Sean Marks has, has brought to Brooklyn. You know, Dealing with these guys over the past three years, three and a half years, uh, has been fantastic. Uh, it's unbelievable, you know, what happens when you put a group of guys together around each other who are good people, smart, uh, you know, care about the game and, and you know, care about the group. And, and in general, They've they've understood the media role and they've been great to deal with. You know, I I I miss some of the guys that they've actually had to let go. Like last year, they had to let Ed Davis and Jared Dudley go as part of that purge, and those two were some of the best ever guys in the locker room. Uh, but I so so now being away from the game, you know, I actually find that you know I just did, I miss the exchange. With these guys, it's not just the games; it's it's the covering them, the 
the working with them. They made it easy to work, and they made it interesting and, and entertaining, and and stress free, from my view, as as a media person. So you know that's one thing I miss. Uh, you know, I guess another thing that's happened to me during this pandemic is that you know I've watched a lot of the historical stuff on on uh, ESPN. You know, I, I mentioned the the Magic and Larry uh, stuff recently, and of course the Last Dance before that. And, you know, I got to cover, you know, um, the, the last couple titles of, of The Last Dance. And uh, and so it's brought all those memories back. And, you know, just your appreciation for, you know, how great some of these players are. And I know there's, you know, various controversies, uh, you know, about how The Last Dance was put together. And, and uh, you know, it obviously... Uh, showed uh, uh Jordan in a, a tremendous light but uh you know I I loved it. I loved every every bit of it and and it rang true to me um, most of this stuff and I found the footage fascinating of stuff behind the scenes that you didn't see uh you know some of the Dennis Rodman stuff and I also I also liked the uh the they did a, a story also on the bad boys, you know, Isaiah Thomas, who I know from mm-hmm. his days as a uh, general manager and then even coach of the Knicks. And, you know, Isaiah, I got to know pretty well. And, uh, and he was a fascinating character and you could, see, and it was all on display there. You know, I, I never really knew Lambeer, uh, more than just covering him after games or anything like that. Uh, uh, but, but he was, uh, a very interesting character as well. And, and so, you know, just seeing those guys, seeing the history of the game, and and then I also did a, a story uh, uh, looking back at the I think it was the 35th anniversary of St. John's uh, going to the 1985 Final Four. So I got to talk to Mark Jackson and Chris Mullen and Bill Wennington there for their memories, and uh, mm-hmm. and you know they totally enjoyed going back. Uh, and talking about that team and just reconnecting with those three was hilarious. And, uh, you know, I, I just an FYI, uh, when I finished, uh, with Mullen, you know, he wanted to know more about Kenny Atkinson because, you know, Mullen, of course, grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and, and he ran into Kenny sometimes when Kenny was a European player and would come back and play in the summer in New York. And so he, he knows mm. Kenny very well. So, so that, that kind of tickled me to just, you know, shoot the breeze with him a little bit. Student of his craft, uh, well-connected, universally respected. Uh, Greg Lover checking on the line with Scoopy Radio. If the season does resume in Orlando, are you going? Uh, as things stand now, uh, we don't think so, simply because of the nature of the way it's set up. Uh, you have the first tier of media that will be permitted into a, a press conference setting where they will be able to participate directly in questioning. But they're going to have to be in quarantine for as long as the team is down there. They're going to be put up in the the expensive Disney hotels and have all their meals provided. And our uh, president of the basketball writers says that the feeling is it's going to be cost prohibitive for most uh, media outlets. Then they have a second tier where you would be outside the bubble and could stay 
at a Orlando hotel and eat restaurants there and, and be on your own, and you would be permitted into the games, and you would sit in the stands, but you would not take part in in any direct contact in the press conference setting. You'd have to be doing it over a, a Zoom type of chat uh, feed, uh, which which you can do from home. So, so from a cost perspective, uh, it doesn't make sense if you can watch the games on TV at home and still participate in Zoom press conferences, which is the way I believe uh, it's going to happen. I mean, nothing is, is set in stone yet, but that's all my information that I have from uh, uh, various media sources at the NBA and with the Nets as to how it, it might work. And so unless there's a real advantage to being there, uh, I doubt, I, I think we'll probably have to try and, and do it from home. Uh, now, I don't know if the, like if the Nets would uh, pull a couple of major upsets and reach the Eastern Conference Finals, maybe then something would change. But I'm, 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 have my doubts, you know, if if things are working smoothly uh, from home, uh, covering via Zoom. You know, we're all in a different world, believe me. A lot of things changing, but the one thing that's constant, uh, we will definitely see you online, and I appreciate you coming on the podcast today. You've been a wealth of knowledge, man. the good news. You're off the hot seat. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much, Scoop. I always appreciate having the opportunity to talk with you and I always learn something and, and that uh, tickles me. Thank you. Likewise, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. You take care of yourself. And this is Scoopy Radio saying, you bring the coffee and I'll bring the Dunkin'. Come on. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 